Is your sales team not making quota? It might not be their fault. It's probably yours. So if you have a product that solves an important problem in your market with valuable competitive differentiators, and you have successful customers who love your product and are getting a lot of value from it, but you're having trouble achieving a repeatable sales model, the sales team regularly fails to make quota or hit their sales targets, then I'm sorry to say, product manager, it's probably your fault. In this podcast episode and the next one, I'm going to give you four key steps you can take to ensure it doesn't happen to you, or if it's already happening to you, that you can use to fix it. This is Nels Davis, and you're listening to All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. In this podcast, we feature the best mental models, tools, techniques, and secrets for product managers, product marketers, innovators, and founders. If you're trying to create value in the world, delivering solutions to problems that need solving, this podcast will give you insights and approaches to up your game, accelerate your career, and get more value to market faster. This is episode number 320. Bad go-to-market is the second most common way for a product to fail. The first most common is to create a product that doesn't solve a problem anyone cares about. But the second most common is to create a product that does a good job of solving a valuable problem, but then fail to take it to market correctly. And there are a lot of ways this can go wrong. As an example, let me tell you a little story. When I started as the director of product management at my last company, we had a lot of successful and enthusiastic customers for our project management solution. The product worked well, although it was a bit long in the tooth, and we had a good lead pipeline. But we had one big problem. The sales team was missing quota every quarter. That's not a recipe for long-term success. Now, the sales engineers thought the problem was our story around Agile, and especially their ability to demo Agile. Many of our successful customers were using our product in an Agile environment, but the product itself didn't have many Agile features. And prospects always wanted to know how we did Agile. Well, given that I had a background with Agile tools, they asked me to come in and help them out with their Agile demo. But when I drilled down, I found out we really had a different problem. The big thing that was holding sales back was not around any of our features or lack thereof. Rather, it was the way that we were selling and the way that we were demoing. We were focused on telling the prospects about us and our product, not about how our product was going to solve or relieve the prospect's pain. You know, sales is about your prospect. It's not really about you and your product. So why were my colleagues selling and demoing like that? Well, it was all they knew. Until I got there, the only product knowledge they were getting from the product team was lists of features and functions. And that clearly wasn't working well. So over the next quarter, I helped sales fix their process by giving them better product knowledge. But I wasn't telling them more about our product. What they needed was the story about how our product solved the problems of our prospects and how to tell that story. If you give sales the right information, everyone can make quota. So you know what frustrates a salesperson, especially a good one? Having what seems like it might be a good prospect and truly benefit from the product, but not having the information to either validate that they're a good prospect or to pitch the solution correctly. And if all they have is a list of features, they're not going to be successful. And that means the company is not going to be successful. If your product team doesn't provide the right information to sales, your salespeople can't make quota. We know that features and functions are there to solve problems, and those problems are what the prospects care about, not specifically the features and functions. So part of our job on the product team is not just to deliver the features, but to help marketing and sales understand how those features 
solve the prospect's problems. And just as a foreshadowing of things to come, that doesn't mean we give them more information about the features. I think about a minimum viable product knowledge set for making quota. I'm going to go over four items that I consider the minimum product knowledge that marketing and sales teams require. And this is information that the product organization has or should have and that your colleagues really need to be effective. With the right information, the right product knowledge, marketing can create programs that pull the right prospects. Salespeople can qualify these prospects, discover their problems in detail, and position competitors out of the deal. And sales engineers can create a demo that converts. So these four items are the value proposition. I'll talk more about all of these in more detail in a few minutes. The target segment is the second piece. That's what the right prospects look like and where they are. Combined with the value prop and other information, marketing can create programs that generate good sales leads. On the sales side, the salespeople really need good qualifying and discovery questions. These are the tools the sales team uses to make sure a prospect really would benefit from our solution and is worth pursuing in our sales funnel. And then we also need to give them answers to key product-related sales objections and general guidance on helping prospects understand the value your solution provides. This includes not just information on how you do against competitors, but also customer success stories. Now I'm going to talk about the first two of these, the value proposition and the target segment in this episode of the podcast. The next episode, episode 321, will cover the qualifying and discovery questions that we give to sales teams and the answers to the key product-related sales objections. Now let's talk about the value proposition. This is the first key component in the product knowledge that we need to provide to sales and marketing. The value proposition is a concise statement in two sentences of who the product is for, the problem it solves, how it solves the problem, which is features and benefits, and why it's superior to alternatives, both to competitors and to business as usual. Now I use the value proposition template from Crossing the Chasm, the great book by Jeffrey Moore. The template is, and I'm going to have to sort of help you through this as a template because I can't give you, I can't speak out the blanks, but essentially it's the following. The product is a category, meaning it fits into some category, for a segment, and you define what that segment is, that provides benefits, and you might also include some features in there. Unlike other offers in this category, the product has or does differentiators. So that's the basic structure. And obviously, as you fill in the blanks here, you do some wordsmithing. Now, let me give you an example. This is a pretty well-known product, and it really works well as an illustration of what a good value proposition can do. Because I think after you listen to this value proposition, you'll know even more why this was such a successful product. The iPod is a digital music player, that's the category, for everyone who wants to listen to their own music, that's the segment. It can hold 10,000 of your own songs and play them in any order you want. Those are the features. Unlike other music players, it's simple and intuitive to use, and it's connected to Apple's iTunes, giving you instant access to millions of songs, including the latest hits, your favorite classics, and everything in between. And so that last sentence was the differentiators. So when you do the value proposition, you want to capture the category into which the product fits, who the product is solving a problem for, the segment, and the problem it solves for them, which is the benefits, and why it's better than the competitors. If you can do all that clearly, not only do you have an excellent basis for all the more detailed marketing that the organization needs to do, but you also have an excellent elevator pitch for your product. The value proposition has another benefit for you, though. It's really a litmus test. If you can't create a good one, it's an indicator that your product either isn't solving a meaningful problem for a segment, 
or that it can't be differentiated. And that's bad news for your product. The things that enable products to win, solving a market problem, differentiating from competitors, are really laid bare in the value proposition. And if you can't articulate them, how do you expect your salesperson to be able to pitch it? Or your prospect to even understand why they should pay their time or money for it? Now, the second critical piece of information that the product organization should provide to marketing and sales is the detailed market segment or market segments to attack. That is, the people who have the problems your product solves, along with specific qualifying questions and criteria to ensure that we're talking and marketing to the right people. If you think about the job of marketing, their goal is really to find people to buy your product. Marketing creates programs that create awareness, interest, desire, and entice prospects to take action, like signing up for your lead magnet to get on your mailing list. When prospects come in via this pipeline of marketing programs, they're handed over to sales who then continue the sales process. It's really important that marketing finds the right people in their lead generation activities. Now, the fact is, though, that marketing doesn't decide who to target. Defining the ideal customer in the segment is really product management's responsibility, and I'll tell you why. The definition of the ideal customer, the demographics, the characteristics, the industries, comes from the work that product management does. We do the research to determine that there is a problem and that it can be solved. We also validate that there's enough people in the market who need the solution and who will buy it. So this is all the information that goes into defining the target market. For marketing to be effective, product management needs to communicate all this market segment data to marketing. Sharing this knowledge with marketing is a fundamental step in a successful sales enablement program. And you'd be surprised, or maybe not, how often product management does not communicate this information to marketing effectively. And so marketing does its best to find who they think might be a good prospect, but without the knowledge that product management has, they're inevitably going to be off, often far enough that the leads are not good. So for example, imagine your product is a project management tool. You're going to hear about this project management tool a lot in this episode because I'm pretty familiar with that space. Now, this tool has a lot of familiar project management features, and that's what marketing knows, if I don't give them any other information. So they market your product to project managers of all types, which makes sense. They're not marketing to non-project managers. But it turns out that not all project managers need a tool like yours. In fact, many of them only need a much simpler and cheaper tool. Do you want that lower price segment in your lead pipeline? No, you do not. But if marketing only knows project management, that's what you're likely to get. So there's a lot of ways to improve your sales performance, but step one is really improving your lead quality. And step one of improving your lead quality is making sure that marketing knows who to look for and that's up to product management. So here's some things you can do to help marketing find and collect the ideal prospects for your sales team. But the first thing to do is to assess if you, if, if product management, is giving marketing the market segment information they need. And this can include things like their demographics, like mid-sized company, number of projects, types of projects, how many project managers. Again, this is for the project management tool example. Your product will be different and the demographics will be different. You also wanna give marketing the specific types of problems they face. For example, in the project management world, this might be heterogeneous projects that all require separate treatment or lots of conflicting information in their existing project management approaches or the ability to manage projects across companies or the ability to manage resources more effectively. You also want to give marketing some idea of how the other alternative solutions that these ideal prospects are looking at, how they might be failing them. In other words, this is sort of how our product is better in certain ways 
than the competitors. So the second step is to review your company's marketing message around your product. Is it crafted so that the people who have the specific problems you solve are moved to action? And are undesirable prospects less likely to take action? You want to just make sure that your marketing message is targeted toward the right segments, such as mid-sized companies with a certain number of projects and a certain number of project managers. Finally, this needs to be a continuous process. You need to step into a relationship with marketing where you share this information on a continuous basis. The expertise of marketing is to find and attract leads who fit a desired profile and it's product management's responsibility to define that profile. Now, I mentioned the value proposition and target market segment as the most important information to get to marketing, since those are often missing in many go-to-market efforts. But of course, there's lots of additional information that we have that will be valuable to marketing, like customer success stories. So I'll talk a lot more about customer success stories and other related things in the next episode in the context of the sales discovery call and handling objections, but there's no question they're a critical tool for marketing as well. I wanted to let you know that I have a new cheat sheet on the website you might find valuable related to customer stories. It's a framework and template for capturing the information for great customer success stories. To access the cheat sheet, you can go to the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 320, where there's a link in the show notes, or simply go directly to alltheresponsibility.com slash stories, and that will take you directly to the access page. So you give market segment information to marketing to find qualified leads and, of course, the value proposition to help them pitch. If they know who to target, their programs will work a lot better for the company. Now, the sales team also needs the right product knowledge to be successful, which means they can sell a lot more of your product. And this starts from the first call with the prospect. If the salesperson asks the wrong questions during that first call, then even a good prospect can turn into a total loss. And a bad prospect might stay in the sales process for far too long, even though there's no chance of them buying. But if you ask the right questions, the chances of closing a good prospect go way up, and the salesperson can quickly eliminate the bad leads, which saves lots of time and lots of money that can be devoted to closing the great leads. So as you'll see, product knowledge drives a lot of sales success. And I'm going to talk a lot about that in the next episode of the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you get that one when it comes out in a few days. Now, do you remember my sales engineering team who asked me how to improve their agile demo? After we started sharing better product knowledge from the product team, our sales and marketing results took off. The salespeople now use their initial discovery calls to uncover the prospect's key problems using the improved qualifying questions. I coached the sales engineers to focus their product demos to show how we tackle those problems specifically for each prospect, and these changes had a really big impact. After we implemented this new approach, sales started beating their quotas every quarter, and in fact, business was so good that we started growing so much that we were acquired by a competitor who felt us nipping at their heels. So to summarize the main points of this episode, product has a ton of information to share with sales and marketing to make them more successful. For marketing, you need to provide the product's value proposition and its ideal target segment. If you do that, marketing will be much more likely to provide a pipeline of good leads to the sales organization. In the next episode, I'll share the key pieces of product information you need to provide to sales for them to be able to take advantage of these great leads to sell your product more effectively. And I'll give you some tools and techniques for developing that information. So until then, this is Nels Davis, and this is the All the Responsibility, None of the Authority podcast. For show notes and links to the resources I mentioned in the episode, including my articles on the value proposition and my spreadsheet illustrating the additional revenue you can generate by targeting better leads, go to alltheresponsibility.com slash 320. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.
hand ignition. 